Hey, church family, welcome back to the Sarah Dougal Bonnet Life podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us through podcast. Um, we just want to invite you to a service in person. Um, God has been doing some mighty things, if you haven't noticed, around the earth, but even in our church, things that we're not quite accustomed to and familiar with. And so this sermon's a little bit shorter than we normally is, but it's very good. So get your notebooks out, take some notes, buckle up. Man, the Lord is doing some awesome things. Come on. I just, I cannot, huh? I just, they're different, right? Yeah, not, so, Stephen, do you want to get up here and preach? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not surprised, but it's surprising just how simple things are when we come to the Lord and that it doesn't require some, you know, magnificent, you know, preacher preaching. It's not the right song. It's not, it's simple. God did not make things complicated. The enemy complicates our minds. Jesus and what he did has always been simple. All right, we're going we're gonna to dig in. Listen, I'm going to give you guys a heads up. Um, I, I'm, I love this. I love what God wants to say to you in this word today, but it's going to be unique. Um, so how many people are note takers? Put your pens away. You can put your pens away. You'll be able to go on the live stream recording or the uh, the message that gets put up on Tuesdays, and you can take all the notes you want. Um, yeah, Lord, thank you that God you have gathered us and you have called us your own, Jesus. We just are amazed when you do what you do, and we realize when you do it how sometimes we've complicated things in the past, and so, Lord, we're just excited that you're freeing us from the complications of walking with you, and you're making it about being with you, being around you, being caught up in the things that you're doing, and God, when we allow ourselves to be caught up there, God, we just see you do the things that we read about, that we've expected, and God, it's easy. So, Lord, help us with this word to free our minds continually, that, that we would release our will and our desire over to the Spirit so that you could truly have greater measure of excitement about what you're going to do in and through our lives. And everybody said, amen. Started out... Like three months ago, and I said, asked you a question, is it possible to have a new covenant faith and stuck in old covenant living or thinking? And, and there was a good portion of you that just barked out right away, yes. Now, there's two, there's two things about that. I'm glad that everybody understands that the enemy's working is to preoccupy our mind, seed lies, and get us disconnected from the simplicity but the fullness of the truth of who Jesus was and what he desires to bring to all those that will turn to him. And that's what's happening, not just here, but we're seeing it in a lot of places. I'm hearing it from friends of mine that God's just shifting as long as they're willing. So the first question I would ask you is, like, part of Old Covenant thinking is having a hard time getting out of your own way in what you've set before as your plan to walk with God. 
That's a huge, huge, huge piece. Getting out of your own way and the parameters that you've set for the path that you're going to walk with in the Lord. Doesn't make it all right or wrong. I'm not talking about judging what you've... But if Jesus is going to be who he wants to be, and we read the stories in the proper context, is he spent time with the Father. The Father shared the heart of what he was about to do, sometimes probably great detail. I don't know. Jesus didn't tell me about all those meetings. But we, you saw what happened in the Bible. Is he walked the earth. And people followed him because where he went, the glory of God and the heart of God met people where they were at. How about that word that came out? Actually, can I tell you? That word seated itself in the morning prayer. And the person who came up to give it wasn't the same person. Come as you are. We don't like that in modern Christianity because we all know little elements about each other and we're like, no, God wants to change that and fix that and all that, right? That's true, but that's not what's keeping you from him. He, transformation or sanctification, depends on how long you've been walking with the Lord, is a real thing. It's the evidence of the power of God moving and making us more like Jesus so that God can do more things in and through us. It's, it's simple. He's not trying to make you all little goody two-shoes so you can walk around and chastise the earth. No, that's what the, that's what the nation of Israel got wrapped up in. Elitism. Those doors are glass for a reason. I want people to walk up, and maybe the first thing they do is look in. And what do they see? People loving Jesus. Perfectly? No. But loving Jesus. Enough to recognize it so that they'll actually come through the door. And when they come through the door, what are they going to see? Oh, this is what you need to correct about your life? It's a bad mindset. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me introduce you. When we looked at the old covenants, I hope, even as brief as it was, that you saw the thread from the garden all the way through the conduits of the people that God reached out and used to display what his heart was for humanity. We can get wrapped up in the detail of just the, uh, the, the ups and downs of the, of the nation of Israel, and we can miss or lose sight of what God's heart was, even for them, to be a blessing to the world. We looked at the word covenant. It's an agreement between two people, two groups of people that involves promises on the part of each to the other. And when we looked at those covenants, I identified a few things about what God promised and what we promised. And the one scripture I did call out was Exodus 24.3, when Moses, out of the rejection of his people, to say, no, Lord, we don't want to be with you. We just want the benefits of knowing you. 
Now, it wasn't that simple. It's not that plainly put, but you can see it in the, in the, in the trials and or the uh, journeys and the details of it as they walk through the desert. Moses comes down, and remember, like, he's, he's different. His, his, his outward appearance has been shifted and changed. I don't know. It's, you know, in Charlton Heston's days, it looked like he just turned all white and he was glowing. How many people saw the Ten Commandments? Young people, you should get that movie. It's pretty cool. It changed them. Can I tell you that sometimes is what holds us back from coming to Jesus. We don't deserve that glory. They didn't want it because they had come from a long endeavor out of Egypt and they kept trying to say what was good about it so they could turn back to what they knew and what they understood. Let me tell you, the new covenant is about journey and adventure. One day I was hanging out with Jeremy Kumaletti in my house. And if Jeremy comes over to my house, it's almost always not an early night. And I think it was around 12. Is he in here? Anyways, hey. What's the average time if you and I, just you and I hang out, what's the average time it usually breaks up? Yeah, that's true. I remember one of the first few times, it was like 3.30 in the morning, and Melanie calls and said, um, is Jeremy by chance there? <laughs> yes, he is. Anyways, this was about 12.30 at night, and he left, and this is a time where Selah's the only one left in the house, and Selah and I hung out, and I spent time getting to know my daughter because there were no other kids in there. It was, a, it was an awesome opportunity. So, I don't know, it just jumps, something jumps out at me, and I say to Selah, hey, get down here. It's 12.30 at night. She's like, what? I go, she thinks we're going to go down and play pool or listen to music. And I said, hey, do you want to go on an adventure? And she goes, yeah. And I said, Go upstairs, get dressed up in all black, get a backpack, and come back down. (laughs) And then she said, wait, Dad, what are we going to do? (laughs) And I said, you'll see. I didn't tell her, but we came back about two and a half hours later with 300 golf balls in the back of our (laughs) backpack, (laughs) jumping in and out of bushes. Anyways... The new covenant life is an adventure. Jesus doesn't tell you everything. And I can tell you really good reasons probably why he doesn't. But a part of me is like, I'm glad he doesn't because I check out or reject part or most of the journey and adventure. And that's what we should learn, a piece of what we should learn from the old covenant journeys. They were set up in a context that was different than the new covenant context is, and it's really important. So we're going to go through Hebrews 8, and I'm going to go through it, and I'm just going to really let the Holy Spirit give you the nuggets that you need, because it's, I thought there was going to be a time for people to come to Christ at the end of this message. Jesus had a different plan. Yeah, Jen, way to listen to the Lord. You know what she told me today? I said, Hey, 
Noah's sick. By the way, Noah was supposed to be on the stage. I wasn't even supposed to be up there. And it's probably been like two years since I really sang like that. I barely have a voice. Um, but I said, hey, we, got, we can jack around. And I said, I called her at like, what, 6.30? And I said, hey, you want to share communion today? She said, I'll let you know. <laughs> and she comes up and I said, she's like, yeah, I'll do it. And I said, no, do you want to do it? And what'd you say to me? I want to throw up. (laughs) There's what you need to understand is when you feel like that, the Holy Spirit must have some kind of plan that he ain't let you in on yet. Yeah, he's got you in training. You're on a new leg of the adventure. Get dressed up in black and grab your backpack and let's go. (laughs) Hebrews 8 verse 1. It says, now, the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Wow. First, right out the gate, the writer of Hebrews is saying that we have a great, a better high priest in heaven. Now, for most of us, we are Jewish. And maybe a lot of us have looked through the Old Testament and have grasped certain things that the Jewish people that haven't found Christ still hold really tightly to. And that's the fact that there's this high priest, and especially in the context of the Old Testament, is the high priest who came out of the tribe of Levi used to do really important things in the tabernacle so that the sin of the people could be resolved with the Lord. They did other things. They had peace offerings and friendship, all kinds of offerings. But the most, and the most vital was they would go in and they would sacrifice for the sin of the people. We have a high priest in Jesus that's better than the high priest that functions on any earth of any given time. And there's a lot of reasons. He says he's seated on the right hand of the throne. He's God's right hand man. Have you ever been in an organization where there's teams and you have people and you've had a right hand person, man or woman, in your life? Raise your hand if you've ever had that. What a blessing as long as that person was you know, a decent, you know, workers. So, but what a blessing. It actually freed you up to be able to do greater things than you did before you had them. And they wanted the same things that you wanted. Jesus is God's right hand man, his son, seated at the right hand. The fact that Jesus is even sitting down is pretty significant because on the earthly plane, high priests were always up doing things. They had stuff they had to do in the tabernacle setup. Jesus, our high priest, better than the earthly priests on the cross, said some pretty powerful words, three of them. He said, it is finished. Now, that is a huge statement that covers a lot of things. But guess what? All the stuff that was having to be done to bring us the the ability to God to be with his people, although not his desire, but from rejection, that that was finished. That the finished work that Jesus was about to do on his death and then through his resurrection was going to deal away with all of that. And that that sacrifice, because he did bring a sacrifice, his own blood. And that blood is working 
on its own because of the perfect blood of Jesus it was. It's doing the thing continually in the lives of those who turn and give their lives over to him. It is finished. Everything was set in motion. You know, the old animal sacrifices were out of the nation rejecting them. And in in a way, I'm just going to use this term, in a way it, it only pacified God. It wasn't eternal. It was temporary. The word pacifies. To suppress anger, agitation, or look at this one, excitement. Man, God loved us so much that he suppressed his own excitement for what he wanted to do in Jesus so that we could learn and appreciate and be grateful and be released in the fullness of who Jesus was and what he did. He suppressed his own excitement for you and I. Bless you. But it only... The earthly animal sacrifice is only pacified. Think of a baby. Men, pacifier comes in handy in a pinch, but it does not satisfy them. They need something else. Or it's like putting a rug over a stain in the floor. Eventually, the stain needs to go. You can't just keep covering it up. Jesus did it all. Did it all. Verse 2 says, And who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by mere human being, by a mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at the sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Cool, couple really things that jump out to me. One, if God asks you to do something and he gives you some details to do it, it is important that we follow the details. Not because he's trying to be a micromanager, because it's important. The tabernacle was a huge deal for the Jewish people. It was the place where the presence of God between the cherubim on the ark, the cover of the ark of the covenant, it, it dwelt. It, it actually manifested. You could, you could see it. You could experience it. It's that place. They were to care for that. and They were to do ceremonies around it so that God would dwell even in that small measure. It was important to the Jewish people. And then insert David, who seemingly broke all the rules, put it under a generic tent and said, hey, everybody, let's gather around. Why didn't God kill him? There's some clues. Because he was a man after God's own heart. There was something happening in the heart of David that wasn't religious. It wasn't meant to be part of a procedure. It was the exposing of the Lord's heart. See, he never stopped doing that. 
even in the calamity of the journey of the, the nation of Israel. He showed us his heart. And that carries through every part of every covenant straight through. So we have a better place. The tabernacle was a huge deal for the Jewish people, but we have a better place. We have a better high priest, and he is doing what he does, seated. He's not working hard. How many people know Jesus never has to work hard because the work was already done? The earthly tabernacle was only a shadow of real spiritual life. He said, do it this way because it's the reflection of what it's like in heaven, but it's only a reflection. Imagine trying to fly out of the country and customs says, passport, please. You go, I only have a copy. (laughs) You're not going anywhere. Imagine those of you that are married. Imagine trying to talk or you know, hug and be affectionate with the shadow of your spouse. The tabernacle and what was happening was just a shadow. It wasn't what God wanted to do all along. He was in his loving nature handling the rejection of his people and still making a way knowing that he had to do something greater down the road. I don't know how to manage that. Can you? I know most of you. You can't even imagine, you can't even manage a measure of that. Nor nor can I. Any form of religion following a set of rules is like chasing and talking to shadows. The Holy Spirit is a real person. And he wants to invade, live, dwell inside of us as believers, just like what happened to everybody that came up here and confessed Jesus as Lord and invited him into their life. He wants to invade and dwell, and he came to move some furniture around, people. I know. You don't say, I'm glad when it's you, but you look at everybody else and go, thank goodness. Well, somebody's saying that about you too. He's a real person. He's not satisfied with just visiting. Verse 6, but in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is the mediator of is, uh, is superior to the old one. Let me read that again. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is on a mission. There's a plan. He's not just walking arbitrarily. He has a method. He communes. He hears. He spends time with the Father. And then what is revealed, he starts to walk out, and the Father involves himself all on the way. It's very similar to those of us who believe in Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit in us who knows and is the fullness of Jesus Christ and who knows just like the Father that Jesus knew, knows everything the Father's heart. And he shows us a measure so that he can get us to start walking in those directions. And when we build up confidence in the Lord that we know how to hear his voice and he has confidence in us that we'll do the right thing with what he shows us, then things start to shift even more. That's what makes it an adventure. 
I said it last couple weeks ago, whatever. Aren't you glad God didn't say, now that you're saved, let me just reel the tape as to everything you're going to live through in your life. I am thankful he did not do that. I, I, I tell you one thing, I probably wouldn't be here. The ministry Jesus received is superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. Now, if you don't read the next verse, you're going to start bringing data points of things and you're going to say something that's not something we should really label as. What was broken about the old covenant? And when, I, when I'm referring to old covenant now, although where there were several, is this is the one that, that God made through the conduit of Moses with his people. And it was represented by what God brought was the law. And that scripture I read is that people said, yeah, we, we've seen what you said and we will do everything you have asked. So what was broken about the, that covenant, the Mosaic covenant? Yeah, I'll, I'll put it more simple. People were broken. They couldn't do it. It, w- it was never going to happen anyways because th- we needed to understand just what sin, the consequence, and what it did to our relationship with God. And we needed to understand a measure of that in light of who Jesus is. Otherwise, we take Jesus and what he came to do and the incredible things he came to bring. We'll take it for granted and we'll start micromanaging Jesus just like the Israelites micromanaged God through the law. They didn't intend to, but that's what they ended up doing. We have better promises. The writer of Hebrews is putting us on notice. Jesus is better than anything. Life in Jesus is better than life itself as we know it. And just like the song we sing, it keeps on getting better. This is the meat of why the new covenant is not just important. It should excite us and it should start to unravel some of the things we're tripped up in. I'm just going to stop there because I want to get to the meat and I don't want to rush through it. But when we start to talk about it, I believe God showed me a visual that I want to like share with you. And for those of you that are visual people, I think as we read and we study the scripture and I share it with you, I think there's going to be some unlocking that's going to happen and we're going to start living simpler lives. You see, I don't know about you, but I, I bought into a lie when I gave my life to Christ. See, I, was bought, into, I bought into a lie before it because you can ask my wife. Um, she, got, she gave her life to Christ like three, three and a half years before me. And so I, I didn't like what I saw at first because it was different. And I had just gotten home from a seven-month cruise in the Gulf War to a woman who I'd known for seven or so years, but I did not recognize. I was not happy at first. But after I saw who Jesus was and what he was doing, I tried to clean my life up 
so that I could have it. Mistake one, old covenant thinking. And then I thought I need to continue cleaning up so that I can have more of what God has for me. Mistake two, old covenant thinking. I thought I couldn't be close to God at any level unless everything was dealt with. Mistake three, old covenant thinking. If any one of those three, or possibly all three, plague your minds, maybe regularly, daily, good news. Jesus is gonna set us free. Amen. Can I have the, can I have the uh, teams come up for a... Lord, thank you that your plan is not complicated. All the complications you already dealt with, you did them. And God, that should free us from the lies, the traps, the bondage that you've been doing all through your people all along. Only this one is easier. And so God, I pray for us as we we leave here that one, we wouldn't forget what we saw you do and the new life that happened in many people down here today. God, may we encourage those people continually, coming alongside of them, not trying to correct them, Lord, but trying to come along, encourage, strengthen, and comfort so that your word, your truth, and who you are can begin to build itself as a foundation into their lives. And may they experience crazy joy, peace, all the provision you have for those that call themselves children of God. And I pray for us that as we sit and we wait for you to continually just free us up, that God, you would just continually speak to our hearts so that the lies of the enemy would be unraveled as we open your word, as we spend time with you, and we just allow ourselves to be in the place that's caught up with who you are and what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. What a joyous time it's been with you, family. I look forward to it again next week. Have a great week. Well, there you have it. Another great message. It was pretty much a part one of our first part of the series, Bloodline. We're learning as Jesus moves in our midst that slow and steady, simple truths and revelations last us a long time and so we encourage you to come out to a service we've got a worship night this thursday the 9th of march and we have service 9 30 on sunday morning we'll see you then love you guys